Yeah? If it's not, doesn't matter. Come on over here. Yeah, good. Good. Good to see you guys. How you doing? Good this morning? Yeah? Yeah. Has, has it been fun now that you're back in school and all that kind of stuff? Sure. Are you learning something? Of course, of course. I always ask that question just to make sure. Um, I want to ask you a question. When you think of the word heaven, what do you think of? You think of God? What? Clouds, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What else do you think of? What's it look like? Gold? Uh, giant golden medieval castle. Awesome. Does that sound good to you? You want to live there? What? Yeah? Yeah? Be fun. What, what, somebody raise their hand a moment. Yes? You what? Oh, yeah, right. Well, you know, a lot of times, does that ever, like, scare you? I was always kind of a little scared of heaven when I was growing up. Yeah, well, think about it, you know. Like, oh, let me show you a picture. Okay, I got a picture here, I think. Okay, does that look like heaven to you? <laughs> That's a little creepy. Yeah, yeah, it looks pretty scary, doesn't it? I mean, to me, it looks kind of scary. Yeah, it is a weird picture. It says at the top, heaven is for real. Does that, does that make you feel good or bad? Is it a movie? Probably is. I wouldn't know. That shows how bad I am. I have heard of that somewhere. Is that a movie? Yes. Yes, is it good? Probably not. Okay, anyway. But, it, but that's kind of the way I look at, that's kind of the way I thought of heaven clouds everywhere and and you get there and you kind of like you walk in and you walk along in the clouds and you're kind of alone and it just kind of scared me kind of me. and when i i looked at a whole bunch of pictures today yeah yeah where are they going to be and, and will that will that be good yeah that'll be good you hope your dog will be there yeah i i, I know i understand um not talking about what Revelation says about that. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, I, I want you to know that heaven is really like a perfect place for you. When you get there, it'll be wonderful. You'll love it. It'll, I'll love it. It's going to be a wonderful place because it's really not that different, but just so much better than where we live now. You know, there's all kinds of junk around where we live now. But when we get to heaven... It's going to be like God created it to be perfect for you and I. And it's a perfect place for him as well. And so we'll get to be with him. But there'll be people around, people we love and care about. There will be, of course, God, who we'll be very close with because no longer will we have sin that's separating us from him. We'll, we'll actually not be afraid of him because we won't be in trouble. You ever get in trouble with your parents? What? I can't believe you guys do that. But... Um, even then, your, your relationship with them, you love them, right? But when, you get, when you're in trouble, it's a little bit like, I'm not sure I want to see my dad at that point, right? Uh, or my mom. Depends on which one's the heart. Well, let's thank God that heaven's going to be a great place for us to live, all right? Let's pray, and then I'll let you go to your, your class back in the back, all right?
Father, we want to thank you for uh, the, the fact that you've created a place and are in the middle of creating us a, a place that's going to be just absolutely perfect for us. And I just pray for these young people that they'll know and understand uh, how, how to arrive there in that wonderful place. And I just pray that it'll be a great, great time as they think about that today and, and throughout their lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may go back. I don't see who's back there. Oh, there she is, Doreen. Slowly. All right. I don't know why I do those things. It just gives me an opportunity to find out what, what they're thinking, I guess. Um, well, I'm so glad you guys are here with me today because uh, I'd hate to be all by myself here. Um, I don't know about you. I, I've, I've, actually, I went out there and I looked at every kind of image I could possibly look at uh, trying to come up with something for heaven I also spent a little time, um, why do I always do this? I spent a little time uh, coming, trying to come up with a perfect song. Have you, have you ever just wanted, you wanted that perfect song that's going to get you to, um, uh, I'll push the right button, I'll be there, um, to describe something and you're like, I've got to have that right song, that right song. Let me ask you guys, have you got a, uh, there we are, finally got it, um, songs for, for about heaven, right? Anybody got a song about heaven? How about secular songs about heaven? Give me one, anyone. Come on, a song about heaven. <laughs> stairway to, yeah, Stairway to Heaven. Awesome song, best song ever. Well, in terms of secular world, great guitar. I mean, you know, you got to love it, you know, and I can sing it all perfectly, of course. Um, heaven is a place on earth. Yeah, great. Great message on that. Um, awesome. You know, I, I, I went out last night, uh, no, whatever day it was, and I was looking and uh, trying, to, trying to come up, what, what, how am I going to introduce this thing to you about heaven? And I thought about the way people view heaven, right? I mean, just walk down the street, go anywhere, and say, tell me, what do you think about heaven? And listen to the, the ideas that come out. It's amazing. I was, uh, but I was kind of flipping around, and I, and I, and I came across, uh, um, at the risk of pronouncing her name wrong, Beyonce, is that right? How do you, um, you know? <laughs> You know, came, she's got a song called Heaven, right? Um, and, and I had the audacity to click the YouTube version that has her singing Heaven. It started, started out okay. By the way, don't go do this, all right? I'm warning you right now. I began to worry about what, you know, because my computer actually belongs to the North American Mission Board. They know everything I do, Okay. <laughs> Uh, and actually, they don't. I found out they don't. And Monday, they will. They, they, apparently, that's not connecting like it's supposed to. So I got until Monday. But um, <laughs> just kidding. 
Uh, I, I just found that out Friday, so it's, I really have a short window here. But I went out, did, I got Beyonce on this thing, and I'm on that video, and, and you know, she's doing this, you know, singing and dancing and singing, you know, and, and, uh, and, and wow, she can really dance. And, I, and I'm like, wow, you know, this is just really interesting, this thought of heaven. And, and she's, I think she's mourning somebody, I don't know. But, uh, it, you know, it goes through, and, and it like, uh-oh, Oops, boom, got to shut this thing off. It goes to areas that I can't talk about. You know, I don't even want to see this stuff. Heaven, what is heaven? You know, in that, when we talk about salvation and being saved, one of the key things we talk about is the fact that heaven is a promise. And we think about eternity and, the, and eternal life, and that's a wonderful thing. But, uh, but heaven is something that we look forward to. I, I, I copied off, by the way, there's all kinds of songs. Um, anybody know who the Pixies are? Okay, I don't, because it's a punker kind of band, punk band, I guess. I have no, no idea what a punk band really is like. My next-door neighbors are in a punk band, but I, uh, you know, I've heard their music. It's loud. You know, I just don't know. Uh, I don't mind. I, I can mow the lawn to it, you know. And that, that, it's, it's, oh, you know, it's good stuff. But, uh, uh, but the Pixies, uh, what did they say? They, 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 um, they looked at the, the, the contradiction in rewarding a selfless life with everything focused on myself. Think about that. When we talk about heaven, so often we talk about our rewards in heaven. And the Pixies had the audacity to notice the inconsistency in saying we're going to live selfless now, but when we get to heaven, we're going to lavish ourselves with stuff. Hmm, interesting. Uh, Queen. Um, Queen said that that, that uh, um, how did they word it? They, they 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 said love, love, love. This could be heaven for everyone. Okay, so everyone gets heaven, according to Queen. Of course, we know Queen is messed up as all get out. Well, he's passed away. What, I mean, the singer's gone. But, um, you know, all kinds of people, I, I really wish I could go into, you know, talking heads, which I don't know who they are either. Um, you know, but they, they talk about uh, uh, heaven is the opposite of earth. Uh, well, I can't read it. But anyway, um, and then... Uh, uh, Airline to Heaven, Wilco, I don't know. These are, these are top ten songs, so I, somebody must know what these are. Um, so I, I obviously don't listen to top ten music anymore. Um, the Lonely Boys, oh, Lost Lonely Boys, um, How Far is Heaven? Uh, talking about, do I, do I have to change my way of living to get there? Um, tears in Heaven, you know the Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton. Uh, a very sad song as he says, will you know my name? You know, because of his five-year-old son that died in a, a tragic death. And he says, will, will you know my name? If I, would you know my name if I saw you in heaven? Right? What a, what a tragic world. We, not knowing, Johnny Cash, of course, is, says, will you meet me in heaven, which is not about real heaven. And... Um, uh, YouTube talked where streets have no name, so uh, they might be okay. I don't know. Anyway, and of course, Stairway to Heaven. Um, those, are, those are some of the top ten songs that have heaven discussed in them. People, the world is obsessed with heaven. And when we talk about salvation, the final destination that we think of is heaven, right? But for some reason, we have a hard time knowing what heaven is. 
Um, you know, I ask the kids because I'm always curious what kids think of heaven. Um, I always, I'm, I, I'm curious what you think of heaven. Uh, I've always had a hard time with the concept, and when I, when I realized I was going to preach on this, I thought, hmm, do I want to preach on heaven? Do I want to preach on that, that last phase of, of our salvation? Because I've never been there. It's a part of my faith that is built strictly on Scripture, which most of my faith is built on Scripture, but, but there's an experiential part. I'm not like Paul. Paul, remember, he, he says, I, you know, I, I, I knew a man who entered, whether in, in, in reality or in a vision, went to the third heaven. And he talks about his visions of heaven. Um, you, you, I'm not like John, who in Revelation went and journeyed, as, as uh, Mike read to us this morning. He says, come, you know, where the angels says, come up here. And he brings him into heaven and gives him great visions. Uh, and I'm, I can't imagine what that would have been like at that stage. I think I would have been terrified. I do, I do, maybe I'm just a chicken. Um, but I, we're going to go to the book of Romans to begin with, because I really think we need to get a foundational passage on this just to kind of give us a, a feel for why and where and how and we're going to go through a lot of passages today and and um, as mike apologized the last week i think it was i'm, I'm apologizing in advance uh, i was told that i had too many scriptures um, uh, today and uh, we're not it's not going to take us that long but we're going to go through them and um, uh, but i want us to go to, to romans chapter eight romans chapter eight and um we're going to begin, actually, the, the text that I'm going to work with it begins in verse 17. I want to back up to verse 16 just so that we can kind of get the, the flow in, all right? So uh, Romans chapter 8, beginning verse six, seven, 16, uh, and, and um, just understand as we do that, that uh, one, I'm preaching out of the New American Standard, so I don't remember what they're, going to, what they're going to put up here for us, but Romans chapter 8, beginning verse 16, listen to what he says. He says, um, I get this right. The Spirit Himself testifies to our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, so that we may also be glorified with Him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to re be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for the adoption of, as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved. For in hope we have been saved. 
But hope that is seen is not hope. For one who hopes for what he already for, for who, I'm sorry, for who hopes for what he already sees. But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we will we wait eagerly for it. Father, we come before you and we know that your word is powerful and uh, your word is truth. Lord, there there are not a lot of things we're sure about these days, but we are sure of your word being truth. So as we examine your word today, help us to understand and, Lord, to respond to your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, your destination... Your destination is generally lost to your senses. I debated how to word this. That is, you cannot see or feel it. You know you have a destination. You know that it is heaven. You know as followers of Christ, that's where you're going. That's where you're headed. But, but in terms of, of what you're looking at, you don't, you don't know exactly what that's like. I asked the children. They have a better view of it than most. Uh, you know, they, they have a, they, at least they feel good about it. Um, I, I don't know why. I'm always like, ah, I hope I'm ready. I hope I'm ready. I want to face God, and I want to face God without Him having to kind of straighten me out some more, you know? I want to do it. I want to be ready when He comes for me. It's not that I don't, that I don't have confidence that he's got a place prepared for me and it's not that i think that there's going to be a judgment that's going to hurt and be painful when i get there i've i've heard those sermons um but i do think that i want to be i don't want it to be such a huge change when i get there that i'm that i go into a state of shock uh i want my life to be measuring up to what it ought to be that's what i want many people who consider themselves christian go through periods of doubt regarding their salvation I suspect if I were to sit down with you individually and you were to be honest with me, that you would tell me that you have had some times in your life, perhaps even today, where you doubt whether you are truly a follower of Jesus. I have. I've been there. I know what that's like. After having come to Christ, I know what it's like to have doubt. Is this for real? Do, have I really made this decision? Romans 8, 16, what did it say in Romans 8, 16? It says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. So we know there's an answer to this. There's a test. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, tells us, yes, you are a child of God. That helps accept when it doesn't, right? At the times when you're saying, did he? Am I? Because of our sin, we have a hard time with heaven. And if you don't have a hard time with heaven, you're not quite in touch with your sinfulness. Because heaven is perfect. Being with God is sinless. So if I have sin, I have a problem with heaven. Oh, we may believe in the heaven of those worldly songs. That is a caricature of heaven that leaves out a holy, present God and places St. Peter at the gate. You know know what I'm talking about? I mean, how many times, you know, okay, I'm going to go up there and we're going to see St. Peter. You know why we're going to see St. Peter? Because we think we're going to see, why we think we're going to see St. Peter, because we don't want to see, 
God. Yet, not at the gate. But there's nothing in Scripture about St. Peter being at the gate. I just want you to know that. All right? Nothing in the Scriptures says St. Peter's going to be at the gate. Just want you to know that. Um, that, that. That all comes from uh, the idea of him holding the keys to heaven. We may think of an eternal church service. How many of you have done that? You know, oh, heaven. <laughs> it's an eternal worship service. We're just going to be singing the whole time. How many of you are like me and say, that does not trip my trigger? <laughs> I, I mean, I love singing. Don't get me wrong, Paul. Don't get me wrong. I love singing. Okay? I love worship, but forever and ever only singing. For one thing, my vocal cords are going to need a lot of work, but praise God, they'll be perfect. Um, you know, it might even sound better at that point, eh? Um, but, but we want, we think of something some people think of that. They say, oh, it's just going to be worshiping God. It's so wonderful. Yeah, well, I've been to those long services where they're doing that. And I, I mean, I honestly, even in this world, I get tired of it at, at a point, after a point, okay? Now, does that mean I don't love God anymore? That I don't love Him so much? You can just condemn me all you want right now, but I know it's true for you as well, all right? So, you know, or how about a lame place of doing nothing? Enter into my rest, Right? Right? Okay, now, I get it. I get it. The older I get, the more I recognize rest sounds good sometimes. You know? Uh, you know, you work how many hours a week, and you say, I want rest. And that's why we advocate, that's why God himself created a day of rest, right? But a day of rest in the Bible is not what we so often think about. See, the, the, the Pharisees, of course, they came up with a way the day of rest was going to be doing nothing all day, okay? Reminds me of another song from my generation, won't go there. But, um, but, but it isn't doing nothing, it is shifting your focus back to God. That's what the Sabbath day is all about. So it's not like I'm doing nothing. I'm doing something on the Sabbath. I'm worshiping. I'm preparing. I'm doing some things with the family. But I'm not doing things that are, are really work per se. But, but to enter into an eternity of doing nothing, once again, that kind of heaven lacks a sense of purpose or, 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 um, or re and, and reality, doesn't it? I mean, so one of the children says, I picture clouds. Why do we picture clouds? You know, oh, and you know, the fluffy thing that you, you know, you see it, right? All the people are walking on heaven's clouds and they're kind of, you know, they're floating along and they're playing their little harps. And, and is that heaven? Now, I would love to be able to play a harp. I really would. I think those are such cool little instruments. You know, my wife tried it for a couple of weeks or something when she was a kid. And, you know, it was great as long as the teacher wasn't around, um, as, as she tells us, you know. You know, instead of pluck, pluck, pluck. And, uh, but you've got to learn that instrument. But, I mean, I'd love to be able to play a, a harp, but, you know, I'd rather play a guitar. You know, I can't do that either. I don't have the, pa the patience or the discipline to learn it. But without the, the lessons of the past three weeks, heaven makes little sense. Um, through understanding the work that God accomplished in Christ, receiving the unmerited 
uh, gift of salvation and taking the journey of life in Christ known as sanctification. Um, that might work. The Holy Spirit will clarify your status as a child of God. See, when I go through those stages, those, those first three, then he can confirm, yes, you're mine. You're mine. And when we understand that, heaven begins to make more sense to us. Um, the, the concept of glorification seems, seems vague. You understand glorification. Yeah. The word means weighty, heavy. That's not really what I like to think about when I think of glorification, but that's where it originated. But, 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 but it sometimes seems vague, even as it relates to Christ or with us. But that, that weightiness is the value. or the, the you know, So if, if we were to say to weigh something of value, you know, the elements that are heavier are more valuable, right? So when we go to gold, that's more valuable because it's heavy. Now, guys, please, if you go out there and figure something out to prove me wrong, that's okay. But I just want you to get the basic concept. In those days, gold was like the standard. It was the weight. I don't know if platinum weighs more or not. I don't know. I don't know these things. But, but gold was the standard. So they used a term that was weighty to define glory. And so glory was in, it turned out to be the wealth that you could have. And so when you built up your wealth, you had more glory. So the kings were glorious, and they had all this wealth. And this is the picture that, he's, that, that we're going to see. So glorification of Christ is, is, uh, is, is hard enough for us, but glorification of our own selves in eternity is a little bit hard. But partially, this, is confu is, is, this confusion is because we are still mired in the corruption of the earth. We want to glorify God. We sing songs to glorify God, but we're mired in this corruption. We're stuck in this world somehow. And, and Paul indicates that even the created order is groaning longing for the day when God glorifies and lifts it up, his disciples, and establishes them in their intended place in the fellowship with him. Okay, so he's going to lift us up, us followers, those of us who are followers of Christ, lift us up, and we were going to be seated with him in the heavenly places. We're going to be glorified at that point. Um, this, is, this becomes a close fellowship with Jesus that we've never had before. Oh, we've had tastes of it, tastes of it, and we're being tempted. Life was meant to be eternal and meaningful. In Christ, we get a taste of this even on the, this old earth. You know, we can sometimes see that meaningful nature of, uh, of Christ, of, of knowing him. Um, but just as we see the physical earth suffering, both natural and human-related disasters, our current abundant life is limited by our proximity to sinfulness. Why does that keep being bugging me? Our own and others, right? I mean, I really hate it when you sin. You know, particularly if it affects me. I don't hate it so much when I don't know you're doing it, but I do hate it when I hate it when I sin. Because it separates me from God. It separates me from my from people I love. 
Unfortunately, we're not immune from suffering just because we are followers of Christ. In fact, there is some indication that our suffering may increase as, as we follow Him, right? As we become more aware of God's intent and His realities, we suffer more on this earth. The natural world actually gets it. Uh, the natural world, I'm not talking about natural people, they, that's carnal people, but the natural world gets it, and the Scripture says they're groaning. The, the earth is groaning, and, and I know that. I understand that, and you understand that. The natural world gets it, and, and th that's the promise of something different at the end of this life is all the more desirable. See, it's not, it's us. We're all looking, we're all groaning, we're all learning. Our hope, you know, suffering is this way. This is why suffering is important to us, and one of the reasons. Because as we suffer, we long more for Him. We long more to be with Him. And so this is, this is the, in a sense, a, a purpose that, get, that we can gain in suffering. Our hope is not yet realized, but it is based on the truth of God's promise. One theologian said, without making all things new, the entire plan of salvation would be incomplete. Now, we often talk about getting to heaven, but God has a bigger plan. He has a plan to make all things new, including the earth that we walk on. Now, your destination is a new home. Let's go to Revelation. If you don't mind, we're going to just get away from this. I want to get to Revelation. That's really my main passage for today that in Genesis. Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter one, 21, beginning with verse 1. He says, Then I saw the, a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there, was no, and, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, uh, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne, said, Behold, I am making all things, all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. Now, John described our new home first as a new heaven. Right? He described it as a new heaven and a new earth. This heaven, by the way, this heaven, this new heaven is not the heaven that we talk about. I'm going to go to heaven. This heaven it corresponds to our atmosphere and our space. Uh, above. God, God's original design is still appropriate for eternity. God's original design is still appropriate for eternity. When God created the world, when He created the earth, He created the earth perfect. The difference is that, the, is that this new home is eternal. The old home it's going to go away. It's going to be destroyed. But the new home is eternal. I'm reminded of Jesus' assurance to his disciples that, that he was as he was facing the cross, he said, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. 
In my Father's house are many dwelling places. By the way, it doesn't say mansions. It just says dwelling places. So don't get all hung up here. Okay? If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. Now, you may be, like, really disappointed when I said it wasn't mansions. It might be. I don't know. I don't know what it looks like. haven't been there. But in Revelation 21, John draws attention to the holy city, the new Jerusalem. And I'm like, what is that? This is about... Think about this. Have you ever read the dimensions of this thing? It's, kind of, it's, it's like half of the United States. This new Jerusalem, if you kind of just drew a line right down the middle of the United States and right, right, split Dallas right in two and just cut that all the way over to the east coast and you went north and south on the whole country, and the whole, uh, you, you, would, you would get the area of this. Now the funny thing is, is the height is the same height. It's got to go up that same distance. This is some city. I'm not sure I know this much, that God will be there, the Lamb will be there, and, there will, and it's going to be this beautiful thing like crystal, everything, all these different colors, all these different uh, gems and stones, but they're all going to be translucent. It's going to, you're going to be able to see through them. I don't really understand it, but it's going to be bright. It's going to be cheery, but it's not white. It's all different colors. It's gorgeous. Most pictures of heaven don't show the color, do they? they, kind of, they, they might, you might have gold and you might have white, but you don't usually have any other color. But this is a colorful city. And this is God's rep coming down. And he's coming there. I don't know if he's living there. I don't know if the Jews are living there. I don't, I don't know all those things. But it is, it's just a fantastic thing. There's a wall around that city. That wall is 216 feet. Or that is 21 to 27 stories high, depending on how you measure your stories, your floors, Right? This is just a wall, okay? This is just a wall to define the city. Now, I, I, the, fa the foundation stones are priceless. The gates are, are think about it, huge pearls. I, I, I'd love to see those oysters from a distance, of course. Um, not sure how close I want to get to them. Um, the, the city is large enough for millions of people. Extending well beyond the holy city is the new earth. So you're going to have this new city, but there's also the new earth out there. And uh, you, it, there, will be, there will still be people, productive jobs, leaders, and rulers. I know that because everything shows that. The kings of the earth. This is the new earth. I thought God, Jesus is king, right? God is king. But they're going to be kings of the earth or rulers of the earth, and they're going to be there. And it says, it says that they will bring their glory, that is, the wealth of their realms, into the city. So they're going to be productive, they're going to produce wealth, and they're going to come into the city bringing that in worship of God. This is heaven? Is that what you usually think about? There's activity, there's work taking place. The difference is it's not futile. It's not struggle. We're not fighting thorns and thistles. We're not fighting with, with the man. We're doing this out of joy. This is going to be a meaningful life in eternity. I kind of like that idea better than laying around doing nothing all day. Occasionally I might want to lay around and do nothing all day. I'll try it sometime. Maybe I'll try it on this earth. Um, but, but this is a very busy and productive life. It defies the traditional uh, descriptions of heaven. Eternal life looks purposeful and productive for all for the glory of God. 
I don't know about you, but I can't imagine resting for eternity. I really can't. Uh, um, but so many times we think of peace. I think this is more like peace than taking a nap. I have peace in my life. How many of you uh, have a problem with your boss? Nobody? Your boss is here. Um, I have a problem with my boss. You really don't have a problem with your boss? Come on. Okay, I got at least one honest person here. You know, how about a coworker? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get a little more honest, a little bit more honest. Yeah, I got a problem with a coworker. Or an employee. Yeah, here's the. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got to go the opposite direction. You know, I'll get you somewhere. Yeah, because you know what? We're a messed up world. Think about what your job would be like if everybody was absolutely perfect and you're supervising them or you're working for them or you're working alongside them. This is heaven. Would that be heaven to you? It'd be heaven to me, let me tell you. You know, I mean, even I'd get it right. And that would be a good thing, too. Um, well, anyway, with this, this in mind, let's take a look uh, um, for a moment at paradise. Because your destination actually in the scripture is more often described as paradise than heaven. God is in heaven, but somehow he's coming to the earth. He's going to bring everything to the earth. He's going to set up his throne on the earth eventually. Right now, it's not there, but it will be there. And so, so our eternity is more described as paradise. Now, Chapter two, chapter twenty-two. I'm not going to go get back to the Genesis passage yet, but but in um, in, Gen- in Revelation chapter twenty-two, I want you to look for a moment at verses one and two. He says, "Then he showed me a river of the water of life." And I, I apologize, to you guys back there. I have absolutely no idea where the scriptures are going to be going. So if if it doesn't work out, don't worry about it. Genesis chapter twenty-two, verse one and two. He says, "Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the and and of the land." In the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves on the tree were for the healing of the nations. I told someone last week, I don't remember, I'm looking around to see if they're here, I don't know, um, that, that I wanted to visit every waterfall in New York. And there's only a little over 2,000 of them. Okay, um, so I, I think it's highly unlikely that I will see them all in my lifetime. But but that's what I'd like to do, just because I love waterfalls. I might get tired of them after two thousand, though. It'd be like two thousand hamburgers, um, but uh, or yeah, well, two thousand pizzas might be okay. But um, uh, anyway, some of those I, I have seen have no resemblance to this description of the water, the crystal clear water coming in. Now, I picture in my mind. How many of you do this? Um, have you been down to the creek walk? Anybody been to the creek walk? You know, you go down to the creek walk, and there's water coming out the creek walk, and, um, uh, you know, along, not out the creek walk, you know, out, you know, the creek is coming along there. I can't remember which way it's flowing, if it's flowing into Onondaga Lake or flowing out, but, but I think it's flowing into it. But you, you, you go there, and you kind of like, this is a beautiful place, lovely trail. I love it, right? But then you look in the water. You know, and you look at the banks of the water, you know, and you're like, don't want to get too close to that, you know, and, and smell. Yeah, um, 
not the greatest smell. So it doesn't have this picture here. But this is the, all the water that we're going to have in eternity is going to be this crystal clear, beautiful, fresh water. You will be able to drink from that water, the water of life, the river of life, right? And uh, um, I, I can't help thinking of a cleaned up water flowing out of Onondaga. You know, we call this clean water now, right? We, you know, Onondaga Lake, it's clean. We can swim it. We can do anything we want to in it, right? Uh, I'm not drinking it. Uh, you know, I'm not ready to eat the fish that are living in it, you know. I mean, I can because, you know, a little bit of radiation never hurt anybody. Um, but, but, but look at verse uh, 14. Yeah, I've got to make sure I'm looking at the right verse 14. Verse 14 in, in 21, he says, and, and the wall of the city, nope, helps if I'm in the right chapter. 14 and 22, he says, blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. Blessed are those who have washed their robes. You know, we're, we're cleaned up to enter into the city. Everything's clean there. Uh, to fully understand this verse, by the way, we just really have to go back for a moment, all right? Um, and and the, ones that, the other ones that I just mentioned. Go back to Genesis for a moment. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 10, he says... Um, now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it divided and became four rivers. And then look at uh, 3.22. He says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, and now he might stretch out his hand and, also, and take also from the tree of life and, and, and eat and live forever. This, the description of Eden is a picture of paradise. We call that paradise, that they lived in paradise. The rivers, the trees show us God's beautiful and bountiful design for his people. It only stands to reason that, that when God sets up eternal paradise for his people, there will be distinct similarities. The word paradise originally referred to by gardens. That's why you know, it's, it's like Eden, garden, garden of Eden, paradise. Okay, you get it. Um, however, the term paradise applies to the new earth in the most perfect sense. The rivers are beautiful and provide the water of life. Jesus told the woman at the well, remember, the person who drinks from this water will, what, never thirst again. It becomes a reality in heaven. So what is your view of paradise? To me, it's like mountains and rivers and waterfalls, right? <laughs> You know, that's my, you know, I like, I picture that. I was watching this morning, I wanted to, or last night after I'd written everything I wanted to say, and I thought, well, let's see what Randy Alcorn has to say about um, heaven. And, and I thought, oh, he's almost right. Um, but, uh, but he, you know, he shows him, I was watching the video of this, and he, you know, he shows him driving through state parks in, uh, in or national parks in, in Oregon, you know, and and um, and he shows you know shows him kind of staring out this this gorgeous waterfall, and uh, and he's driving a very nice car, and uh, and I, I told my wife I noticed he's driving a nice car, you know, and um, you know how would I? I'm just looking inside. It's in the cockpit, you know. It's just, you know, I'm like, wow, that's a nice car. I can tell by what. The, the, don't know what kind it is, but um, but I want one, right? You know, it's coveting, by the way. Just want you to know. There goes that sin problem again. And then, uh, you know, of course, I was coveting Oregon at that moment because I said, this is gorgeous. 
right? It's just beautiful. I want to be there, you know? And, and so I think that's the idea, that we want to be there. We want to be there. Not necessarily here, but I want to be there. But before you get too focused on that wonderful place, I think you should, you, you should consider one other fact of our eternal home, and that, that gets personal. And I think this is where we really need to land and, and finish up today. Uh, but your destination is an eternal relationship. As beautiful as waterfalls are, as beautiful as mountains are, or if you like the beach, as beautiful as the beach is, or if you like the plains, that, as beautiful that is, if you like the city, by the way, you've got the city in heaven, you've got that massive city, right? So wherever you want, you got it. But as beautiful as those things are, in Genesis 3, verse 8, he says, They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. In Genesis 3.8, we see Adam and Eve in the garden, in paradise, but after the fall. They had everything I just described without relationship. Without relationship. Their normal experience prior to that was to have God walking in the garden and conversing with them. I always find it interesting that even though God was always there, that he wasn't always, like, in their face. They were doing their thing. They had a job. They were working. They were maintaining the garden. They were doing the things they were supposed to do. But that God would kind of come along and, so how's it going? Like a good boss, you know, checking up on you. How are you doing? Everything going okay? How's your family? All of that. Well, you know, God's, how's it, how are you liking it, how are you liking it here in paradise? This is a great place, right? What do you think of that tree over there? You know, how that's going? How, what about that, that, uh, that stream? Is that, is that flowing the way it needs to go? Maybe we should make some adjustments. I don't know. I mean, I have no idea what they're doing. They're talking about it. But they're talking. They converse as they get together. They had a close, intimate relationship. Life was complete because of knowing him. But now things have changed. For Adam and Eve and for all mankind, including you and me, the relationship is broken and they know it. I always marvel at, at, at God's strategy in this passage. He calls out and he says, Hey, Adam, hey, where are you? How many of you wonder, did God know? I mean, God knows all things, right? God knew where Adam was, but he called out because Adam didn't. Adam didn't know where he was. Adam is in paradise. God is present, and he now doesn't know who he is or what he's doing there. But that's not our main point today. Notice the ultimate meaning of our eternal life. We will be forever in the presence of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We will be our companion forever. Um, back in, in, uh, in Revelation, in chapter 21 again, Jesus reveals that he is, you know, we don't have to go there because of time, but uh, Jesus reveals that he is the Alpha and the Omega. That is, he sums up all that can be described and what cannot be described. He is the beginning and the end. He is Genesis, but also Revelation. Notice that, I mean, I took us, basically, we went through the whole Bible today. Isn't that good? Genesis to Revelation? Well, okay, we skipped some stuff in the middle. And, uh, but, but this is God. He began here. He wants this to be. This was his intent for what he wanted. Um, he will be 
our God, and we will be his children. This father-son relationship will be perfect and eternal. It's not like the flawed relationships we have here in our lives. Picture him walking with us through our eternal lives, teaching, leading us, and uh, through a world of, and perhaps universe, which we have no concept today. I, I like to picture things really wild. You know, we got, we, we, we got t- all kinds of movies and shows and things, and we can talk about going out into eternity because we think we can. You know, we think we can travel to Mars, um, which is not very far. <laughs> but can you imagine? Eternally, we could be exploring everything with God, you know? I don't know how that works, okay? But we could. Um, we have no concept of what this could look like. He is the lamb and we are the bride. The lamb is the sacrifice. He, it seems that to be a mixed metaphor. You know, <laughs> Behold the lamb and his bride. The lamb and his bride. What is that? You know, but the lamb, he sacrificed. And the bride, we come basically cleaned up and straightened up for him. And, uh, um, it, 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 it's, it's ultimate. It's complete, this relationship. We're, we're not, we're, were it not for the resurrection, the marriage relationship would have been lost. Instead, we will have a close, intimate relationship with, as his church, the bride. Okay, now, uh, so much more, so much more. I actually have more here, but I feel like this is where I need to bring us to a, a close. Um, you know, this happens to me regularly. By the way, I cut and I cut and I cut when I write a message, and I still run into like, ah, can't do that, can't say that. But Christ will be present with us. His presence in relationship will overshadow or better, outshine every other relationship that we have in heaven or that that we've ever had on earth. Um, But hope, really, this is my hope, is that you find from this little, very meager, very poor description of heaven and of our glorified state to be just a little bit desirable maybe a little more desirable. I hope it gives you hope. That's what I hope. I, I hope you see the value of investing your meager earthly life into an eternal glorified life. So often we complain about our investment in this world. But yet, this is just a little tiny time to have that eternity. Now, I've only touched on the descriptions of heaven or paradise today. There's so much more. I really wish I could. Anyway, I would like to conclude with this thought from Revelation twenty-two seventeen. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost. I'm sorry, but I always read that wrong every time I read it. Let the one who wishes take the water without of life without cost. Truly. This is an invitation to those of you who have yet to receive the gift of salvation of Christ. Anyone who wishes, come. Come. That's a message to you and to me. He freely offers this gift, which includes the promise of paradise. So I say, with John, with the Spirit, do you want? Come. Come to him. Be his follower. Before you leave today, I hope that you will do that. Let's pray together. 
Father, we come before you. Lord, you are good. You've given us great promises in your word. Father, I pray today that if anyone is here who has not come to you, that they would make that decision today, that they would come, they would follow, they would know you, and they would love you, and they would have that promise of eternity with us and with you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I didn't double check. Right. Um, what's that? Anyway, so what I'd like to do right now is kind of give you another invitation. Anyone who wishes, come. And when we, when we do that in terms of the Lord's Supper, what we do is we're celebrating our ability to have a relationship with him. And there's nothing magical or mystical about the elements, the, 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 the bread or the, um, what we use, the grape juice, the fruit of the vine. Um, these are not magical instruments. They don't come in and make you better. They don't come in and make you whole or make you, uh, make you know Jesus, really. What it does, this is a testimony of what's already happened in your life. That Jesus died. He shed, he shed his blood for you. It symbolizes the, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. It says when you take it that you're saying, you know what, I identify with this in fellowship with him. So I invite you this morning to take a little time as we, as we come uh, now, as you feel led, as you feel prepared. Come on and take the, take the Lord's Supper together. And in a sense, but symbolized by this, that yes, I'm looking forward to that day where we have real fellowship with him. So come as we take this time. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for the body. We thank you that for the relationship. Lord, help us to celebrate that right now together. In Jesus' name. Amen.